passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Rewind the dynamite from the most recent sight. A-W, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the bug stops here, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind to Dynamite here on Wednesday night. I'm John Pollock alongside Waiting, coming at you moments after tonight's show from Seattle, Washington. Hey, John. Again. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. How do you feel? Uh, I'm uh, I'm about ready to call it a day on January the 4th. I, I, think, uh, I think my day is I'm looking forward to it ending. When is the next time uh, January the 4th is, is on either a Monday or a Wednesday or a Friday? Uh, I'll tell you what day it's on next year is a Thursday, which is actually worse if you were looking at the idea of doing this and then going into a show right afterwards. Right. Okay. Well, we'll see. That might be slightly worse. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We, we can always decide then. We'll find out. Maybe maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll decide. You know what? Uh, a Thursday show is not great. Maybe maybe we should make this. Uh, let, let's end the January fourth tradition. Let's let's find a new day. Think that probably not. They but, end Eugene yeah. Nagata's streak without the man having any say in it. <laughs> How are you doing? Doing all right. Yeah, yeah, doing okay. All right. Well, uh, that's great. That's great. You're alive. You're well. Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm here, ready to talk about some wrestling. Let's get going. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna get into things. Uh, we have put up a show covering Wrestle Kingdom 17. Uh, we'll talk a bit about some of the news coming out of the show, but for a thorough review, uh, do go up to postwrestlingcafe.com. Two hours of us discussing the entire show from all angles, plus a report up on the site from Karen Peterson with a great analysis on the show as well. All of that can be found at postwrestling.com, and many people and video.postwrestling.com. That is right. You can get video, uh, the video version there for uh, YouTube subscribers and everybody raving about new never open weight champion Tamatonga and and the Rambo. Oh, my God. The Rambo, uh, a classic Rambo, one of one of the um, one of the best Rambos that we have ever been privy to Uh, a Herculean effort by evil um, created a new star in Hikuleo. Uh, surprises galore, all of that uh, on the Rambo. And uh, and yeah, we share our thoughts too on Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay. And maybe even one Mercedes Monet's debut. Yeah, that's true, yes. All, all of that and more can be found postwrestlingcafe.com. We will also be going live on the cafe Friday night at midnight Eastern following four hours of SmackDown, Rampage, and Battle of the Belts. So 
a nice come down from this week on Friday night where we have four hours of new wrestling programming. So tune in Friday night, postwrestlingcafe.com. And uh, yes, lots, lots more stuff that can be found on the site. Yeah, as well. Of course, we are also available on Apple Podcast subscriptions for people who are a little bit intimidated about the Patreon system, don't necessarily know how to work that. You can subscribe directly through Apple Podcasts. And in fact, there's a seven day free trial. So if you want to try that, you can go ahead and do that as well. But we always recommend people sign up through Patreon. It is the cheapest option and grants you a few more bonuses like access to the forum feedback and uh, and a whole lot more. So whether it's YouTube, Apple Podcasts or postwrestlingcafe.com on Patreon, uh, we we thank you for your support. And the last thing on Monday, we will be dropping the 10th anniversary of the MMA prediction show with Ariel Helwani joining us. Uh, that will be dropping Ten on years. Monday. Wow. Uh, it's uh, yeah. 10 years since we did the very first one. So 11th annual 10th anniversary. That, that is correct. Thank you. So okay, that is I'm... dropping on uh, on Monday. So you can uh, keep your, your ears peeled for that one. As we, as we go through last year's predictions and make up a whole new list of likely or unlikely. And we play a brand new game this year as Ariel will name his naughty and nice list for 2022 who made what, which column so find all that out and more on monday very exciting dana white we are going to talk off the top we discussed this on monday uh, the incident from new year's eve uh, where he has seen uh, slapping his wife and this has uh, gained quite a bit of attention uh, what have you seen way in terms of the the coverage both within the mma space or just um at, at large it was Pretty notable tonight that I I heard of no advertising for Power Slap throughout the broadcast on Dynamite. Apparently on the TBS site, if you even click on the uh, the link for the show, that it's not even going to a description of anything. So, I mean, we we were kind of uh, you know looking at uh, on Monday of you know whether this thing can happen or not. I, I really don't see how you can move forward with this this power slap thing, and th- and this could go much higher than that. But uh, just s- some of your overall um, what what you have seen has this has this become a bigger story since Monday? It's been bigger than I expected. You know, like uh, I mean, I I can't help but be cynical when it comes to very powerful figures and their ability to get away with the worst things um, out there. And I thought this was kind of be the same for Dana White, who, you know, has already kind of built a a bit of a reputation for himself as somebody who's not a great person, in my opinion. And and, and as far as, you know, his, uh, his, his, um, I don't know, public stances on, on a lot of things. And and therefore I, I mean, in, even in this story, you'll get a lot of people defending um, the actions, which, you know, are, are, uh, an excuse. I, I think I think it's horrific to see the the amount of people that have uh, come to Dana's defense, especially when um, Dana is not even necessarily defending himself. Like in that mm-hmm. video, like he, I mean, say what you will about Dana White, it was not as though he was disputing um, anything in the in this in this video, and yet there is an army of people that are uh, more than happy to just. Uh, make defenses here of Dana White. I, I think it, it reflects very poorly on a segment of the MMA audience of just uh, people at large that uh, Dana White has attracted that you get this kind of um, re- response from it as well. Um, in terms of responses from any kind of major players, uh, UFC and Endeavor have not issued any comment yet. Uh, reporter Trent Rainsmith did contact 
ESPN, and the one-line response he got was, ESPN does the distribution and UFC produces the content. So they completely punted on this controversy and are not weighing in on it in, in any form or fashion. I reached out to TBS. I've not heard any response yet from them regarding uh, the status of Power Slap and if they have any comment on this situation. It would seem way that there is the idea of hoping that they can wait this thing out and that this blows over. This did break on Monday night, which... You know, just by coincidence, coincided with uh, the injury uh, on the Monday Night Football game. Mm -hmm. And that became the focus of the entire sports world uh, and beyond that. um, But this, you know, it it is a story. It's being covered by a lot of main outlets. But I think the idea here is that hopefully we can just get through this. But um, as you can see in what what you've pulled up here, uh, the Endeavor stock, it did drop nearly 6% on Tuesday. I looked today and the stock was up 3% from the day before, but still down from when this story first broke. Mm-hmm, and that, that is where you will see, you know, mm-hmm. there will be reaction there if there is a, a, an effect on Endeavor's stock from, from this story. Really, it feels like, you know, the stocks are, are, are kind of the only, um, I don't know, real uh, measure of, of, of uh, it, significant It's gross change. way. Like, it, yeah. it, it's, I don't need a lesson on how corporate governance works, but all of these places, it's like, are they dismayed and disgusted by this action? It's, well, what is what is the price we're going to pay? Because in a perfect world, we can just skirt through this and, and move past it. It's only what 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 money could this cost us? And then we will act. There's been no apologies over this. There's been no explanation for this. It's yeah. just uh, treated as like what what's the damage that we have to undergo here? And to, be, to we, be fair, the apology came from Dana himself in his in his own video. I mean, in in terms of uh, looking at any of these companies taking any kind of responsibility or putting something out that hey, we do not con- that that yes. we can we do not condone this kind of action. Um, this is horrible. We are going to take some kind of action because we cannot have a figure representing our company at such a high level uh, out there uh, slapping his wife and us being silent as though this will be tolerated. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's called into question, you know, I think ESPN's own coverage uh, of it all, um, of course, you know, with with uh, their 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 connections to, to the UFC and everything. But um, it's gotten a lot more press than I, I expected in mainstream sources, you know, like like uh, even in Canada, the CBC and the Toronto Star, for instance. So um, the Associated it, Press covered this today. So a lot of papers are picking it oh, up there you from, go. from the yeah. AP covering it, um, including this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean that that to me is is certainly significant. And if you're uh, strictly speaking from the perspective of the show or about the cover, if you're TBS and about to promote a show called Dana White's Power Slap, okay, I I just <laughs> it is I don't mean to laugh about this, but it, it is just the the circumstance surrounding this is is pretty much the worst thing you can promote associated with Dana White. And, and, and the name of this particular league and, and, and organization. Um, I, I really have to imagine there was going to be some integration of the promotion of this show tonight. If not on the body of AEW Dynamite, then within the commercial breaks, we got none of that. I have to think that in some, in some way that was a response to all of this. I would say the absolute best case scenario is a significant delay. 
of this, that this series is shot. And maybe we'll look at this again in the fall if this is something that um, is, is less of a controversy then. I just I, I would be stunned at this point if uh, that, that show drops next week. Uh, I, I'm not going to be watching a second uh, of this thing regardless. But I, I don't know if anybody will be watching a, a second of this because I don't think they're going to have uh, that option. That would be my, my guess of ha- how this goes and just the lack of promotion tonight. TBS and Warner Brothers would be the laughing stock of every, every corner of media if they were to g- just go ahead with this. I mean, this is a series that it does not make or break them by any stretch. This is not anything that is going to uh, save their network or is so do, vital do, to do we know though. But, but the question is like, are there, are there contract contractual obligations? That's I, that I can almost guarantee you that there is a, uh, a basic standard morals clause in any deal that would allow a network out of airing something like this. I, I do not believe that there would be any, any, substantive contract that they could be held to to air a man that has been seen slapping his wife in public uh promoting a slap fight league i just i just can't see this happening well i have to imagine you'll get some sort of announcement you know in the days to come if if that is indeed the case um but you know if not then maybe it's um you know business as as usual how does this position the ufc to its audience and to the public if this is something where maybe dana white is maybe not front and center for the next month but quietly is right back to his role like i i do believe that like how and sadly like there will be another case of a ufc fighter uh involved in a domestic violence incident like we're, that John, will, we're not to get ahead of ourselves but we're about to talk about we're about to talk about something, but not a contracted UFC fighter. My argument is that when something like this happens again, how can you possibly take action against a fighter when you are going to allow this to go unchecked? If you just <laughs> just well, dude, are you kidding me? That you're, you're you're talking about whether or not there's a double standard when it comes to you know the people in positions of power versus the, their employees. I mean, they they just will and they will get away with it. But you know, it's it, it's it's the the broader media coverage and and especially you know its effect on, on a stock that that to me are are going to be you know the the bigger forces of change if if any yeah i mean it's it's a very it's a very sobering analysis that you provide but one that i can't argue with that that is for a lot of these incidents it's the next controversy will occur. People will move on from it. And Dana White is a very powerful figure. And I don't think any of these companies, um, it, I don't think they want to jeopardize the success of a, of a Dana White. And they're hoping that this will go away. This was a very um, just coordinated handling just in the fact that you had uh, TMZ just hold him by the hand during this interview where you had the interview and the response ready to go with the video. I mean, you know, I I don't know all the uh you know the the timeline of events here. How TMZ they probably got this footage, reached out, and you know it, it you do reach out to the parties involved. But this was like if you watch that interview, like they were hardly grilling this guy. It was as much as you know it was uh, a close friend of theirs that just uh, had a lapse in judgment uh, while he was you know fueled by alcohol. Right. I I, th- I thought it reflected poorly in, in that sense, but I mean. Um, yeah, for Dana White, it was a damage control interview and one where 
I, I think in that interview, he can tell the severity of like what this is. I mean, you have mm-hmm. that, you know, he was very vocal in the past about like that is something you cannot come back from is putting your hand on a woman. And he pointed that out himself. I mean, he is he is not leaving anything to be uh, dug up and thrown against him. I mean, he just is kind of, hey, I will face the music on this, but I'm not denying it. I mean, you can't deny it. It's it's right there in front of your face. And and should he not be the one to uh, pull himself out voluntarily, you know, following his own words? I don't think you are going to see Dana White voluntarily remove himself. I think it would be the, the case of, you know, endeavor. I, th- I, I don't believe, you know, I said on Monday how like Disney, how will they react? Given that statement from ESPN, I mean, they I, I think ESPN, uh, you know, like you look at that, like they will not like at the very least to put out something that um, we do not condone this in any way. Um, instead it's uh, well, uh, we just distribute the product. They produce the content. That's it. That's, that's the whole line that they had to say nothing from UFC, nothing from Endeavor. This is, you know, if anything, it's the stock that's going to impact Endeavor. And if this thing uh, rebounds back up and the stocks uh, gets back to its, its levels of, uh, uh, of Monday, then it's smooth sailing for us and we'll just move on. But I think it reflects very poorly. And I, I think that it's, it's certainly something that, um, you know, we, we are going to see if, if Dana White can truly, uh, get past this. This is a, this is a giant, um, blemish on, on Dana White as an individual and, uh, you know, his, his career in my mind. Yeah, whether or not Dana White, uh, publicly survives this, I mean, I'm, I'm less sort of like, um, optimistic that anything long-term really happens to him. But in the immediate, you know, um, fallout of this, to me, like the power slapping is, 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 you know, going to be directly affected being so close and so directly attached to the topic here. Yeah. So we're going to stick on, um, you know, another, you know, dark story. And this is involving uh, Phil Baroni, who, uh, who was a fighter on multiple occasions with the UFC, but fought, I mean, everywhere, uh, 46 years old. And this was uh, reported from a a Mexican news outlet, uh, Tribuna de la Bahia, that uh, reported that on, uh, and just, just a warning of, of like, you know, um, there's some graphic details about the story, domestic violence and everything. Um, yeah, we should mention that off the top here. And this is, um, it is alleged that, uh, Phil Baroni was involved in a, uh, he is being investigated for murder, uh, involving his girlfriend in Mexico. Um, the, the report states that, uh, Baroni and his girlfriend were at a hotel and he had contacted authorities after his girlfriend uh, no longer had vital signs. And then when the authorities came, he explained that uh, she had revealed that she had had an affair and they got into, I guess, a fight and he was trying to get her into the shower and she ended up hitting her forehead and then fell and hit her head a second time. And she got into the bed. This is his story, obviously. Yeah. This is coming from Baroni who allegedly did contact the authorities himself and, uh, placed her in the bed and removed her clothes, stating she was cold, and put a blanket over her. And then he went off. He, I guess, left the hotel to go get cigarettes and beer. And when he returned, she was unresponsive. And that's when he contacted the authorities, and she died. So he is he is in custody 
as we speak and is facing a murder charge. Uh, to my understanding, has not been charged yet, um, but this um, sounds horrific. And it, you look at this story and, man, there are a lot of parallels to the Jimmy Snuka and Nancy Argentino story. I mean, that's what I thought of immediately. Um, just uh, sounded very similar in nature. And uh, Phil Baroni, he he is 46. Um, I don't know if you saw, but uh, Josh Barnett had also uh, posted about this. And, you know, believing that, that Phil Baroni um, likely has CTE and talking about, like, his own interactions with, with Phil Baroni and, and his state. But uh, th- that said, I mean, there is, to me, there is no um, understanding uh, of an event like this. And um, this... You know, it's obviously it's it's a murder charge. This could be very, very significant for uh, Phil Baroni and his outlook on life. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's incredibly um, sad and incredibly dark um, and something I mean, we certainly never want to talk about on a, a combat sports podcast. But God, like, unfortunately, um Sometimes we have to talk about these stories and, God, you know, you just hope that justice prevails in, at, at the end of all this. Um, it's, you know, as somebody that, you know, has been around sort of like our topic of conversation for a long, long time and, and a Phil Baroni before, you know, like um, you, MMA, I think, really became a, a big, big thing. Um, you he was one of the like he he was on the very first card that Zufa promoted after they bought the company and became a very popular character as the New York badass. Like he was like he was ravishing Rick Rude as a mixed martial arts fighter. I mean that well, was kind of his, charismatic, yeah. very charismatic fighter. Um, had um, you know, ha- had so, some important fights uh, uh, throughout his career, but uh, uh, this is not the time for like a, a career. No, not at all. Phil, Phil Baroni, but it's, this, it's, this it's, is it's, not some like rank and file fighter. Like this is a very well-known fighter over the past 21 years. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just uh, incredibly sad to see, you know, um, anybody in our space uh, be involved in, in, in anything like this. And, and again, we, we, we await, you know, the authorities to be able to do their investigations before we, we kind of report on it. But we just hope justice prevails, of course. Yes, a very uh, unfortunate series of stories that we are starting off with. Um, it'll get a, a bit lighter here as we move on towards uh, Wrestle Kingdom. And uh, we don't want to redo what we uh, already did earlier today, but just some of the uh, the keynotes. Obviously, the debut of Mercedes Monet appearing after the IWGP Women's Championship match, where she issued the challenge to Kyrie, uh, laying her out and setting up that match for February 18th in San Jose. And I think for uh, a, a certain uh, segment of the audience, this is going to be the major takeaway from the show today beyond any of the matches. And this one is going to be determined based on how tickets move for that San Jose show and the amount of involvement that Mercedes has involving uh, New Japan and Stardom, which were the two companies she specifically noted she is here for and expecting that she will likely be building towards something for that big April show that Stardom uh, is going to be running. I, th- I would say, you know, this topic certainly becomes a lot more interesting after tonight's edition of, of Dynamite. You know, we were expecting um, a bit more of a concrete announcement of Mercedes uh, Monet's involvement with AEW. And that certainly was not the case coming out of tonight's Dynamite. We still, of course, don't rule it out. But um, it 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 did not come today. You, you didn't get the obvious uh, hint. Um 
But I also don't think you get an uh, you have the definitive dismissal of it either, based on how the angle uh, played out with Sheeta and Tony Storm. That we'll get to hmm. during the review. But very interesting, yeah. But uh, yeah, no. So uh, I looked up this uh, San Jose Civic. It's it's a three thousand seater, approximately, right, John? Yeah, I'm I'm amazed that they are running. What do you think of like that 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 venue size? Are they being a bit too modest here? Like this is this is a fairly big match for a three thousand seater. I guess maybe- you wonder if, if they knew that they had Mercedes attached to the show when they booked it. I mean, it seems like an appropriate size for a, you know a New Japan US show. If they do anything but not sell out, would that be? Sorry, if they if they don't sell it, would that I, be I would be exceptionally uh, disappointed if I was New Japan if I didn't sell three thousand tickets for the for the show. I think that would really tell you where New Japan is on the U.S. market and um, like like how many um, free agents are out there that are that you have a reasonable ability to sign that um, can make a difference. You know, you you would hope that Mercedes does, and I I would think like there's going to be uh, once they start to really push that show, and now you have. Uh, at least a match, if not the outright main event for that show, like how tickets will move for that. Uh, the rest, uh, Kazuchika Okada retaining the IW or regaining the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, defeating Jay White in the main event, and then being challenged by Shingo Takagi, which uh, we're thinking maybe that ends up being February the 11th in Osaka. There was some confusion on the broadcast, but their latest is that no date or venue have been set for that match. But for the New Japan calendar, they've got the... Well, New Year's Dash is happening in just a couple of hours, and then they have the Yokohama Arena show on January 21st, the New Beginning show in Nagoya on January 22nd, and then two more New Beginning cards in early February, with the big one being at Edeon Arena in Osaka, which is the week before San Jose. So they have a lot of stuff to promote over the, over the next uh, six to seven weeks. I could definitely see this one being the Osaka main event. Thematically, it would seem to make sense as that was the last place um, Shingo beat yes. Okada for the championship. Yes, yes that's so, where they brought up uh, their their history in in that city. So we await that confirmation, and um, I I personally await to see like what kind of roster you know will be sticking around with New Japan because we've just watched Wrestle Kingdom featuring a lot of special attraction talents. What, what is what is the show going the roster going forward going to look like? Yeah, I I feel that New Year's Dash will be a um, an interesting show just to see a lot of these directions because you know so, sometimes it's an angle heavy show, others it's they do one big thing, and some they have been like subdued shows. But with so much going on, I feel like this would be a show to kick off a bunch of different uh, directions for them. Uh, one thing we know is that um, they will be doing an LIJ Congo series of matches after Congo showed up, led by uh, Keno and Katsuhiko Nakajima, and setting up some future matches. It looks like the direction of Naito Keno and Takagi against Nakajima, at the very least, and then um, Way's big question of where to... Uh, Tadasuke will end up on this card, maybe with Teton or maybe a tag. We will see. Um, but, so, so, uh, so it's looking like a Noah versus New Japan theme again. Which Yokohama. you would assume is going to be the Yokohama Arena show January 21st, which is <laughs> fastly approaching. So I would think that by the end of this week that they have that Yokohama Arena lineup solidified. And uh, Naito against Keno and Takagi against Nakajima, that's that's a nice one too um, to have, but Yokohama Marina—it's it's a very big, big building. But last year they sold it out just with the promise of Noah versus New Japan, and people were critical of the card when it was announced. But the concept worked, and 
the idea is this time around, we're actually going to be doing singles matches, which in theory should have more stakes to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, the final thing, the attendance was 26,085. So their largest number since 2020. Uh, this would have been ahead of 2017, which was the year of the first Omega Okada match, uh, but lower than 2018 through 2020. So um, as we mentioned on the show today, this was the first Wrestle Kingdom that felt like Wrestle Kingdom since before the pandemic. I would say overall, if you were someone that had been lapsed and came back, I think you would have enjoyed the show overall from the presentation, the production values, and the in-ring quality. Yeah. I mean, to me, the number feels like it's a, it should be celebrated because you're still talking about a Japan where, um, I don't know how comfortable the average person, um, might still feel to be able to, you know, um, take part in, in something like this in a large crowd. Certainly you're not going to, um, get a swarm of international travelers because, God even knows like what the current rules might, might be if you're, you know, somebody like us trying to travel to Japan and, and all the, uh, you know, COVID uh, requirements that are seemingly still in flux at times. So, um, I, I, I think, you know, if they can carry on the momentum coming off of this year's show and throughout the year, maybe next year is when you start to get more into, you know, what you were seeing prior to the pandemic. Do you think, um, like for this year, do you think having one Wrestle Kingdom show deters international tra- travelers in in the sense or are you looking at this this week of pro wrestling that it's an enticing trip um well i'm not so sure if like the week of wrestling is 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 necessarily a, a draw unless you're like you know a deep pro res hardcore um uh watcher because a but, lot of people are going to just go for the new japan experience that are not following noah or stardom or all japan sure and that's why i look at one tokyo dome show is that maybe enough that it's well is am i going to go all the way there for just the one show as opposed to two in years past? you're also talking about one of the best vacation countries in the entire world in japan and that to me I, is what i would assume would be you know as, as big of a draw as any wrestling show that's there right i i, I we talked about this on the review but i mean in years past the two nights or a justified attraction in years after that, especially during the pandemic, they felt like a necessity in order to try to get them to fill two half houses just to kind of make up for whatever money that they can. And that would have felt, I think, similar this year, what, you know, just watering down for the sake of like, you know, adding a few more uh, extra seats. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, like going to Japan, going back to Japan would be the draw. Yeah, it's it's Sizera, uh conveyor belt sushi and an sure. Irish pub followed by the the Tokyo Dome is somewhere down down the list of your priorities. Vending machine coffee, you know. Yeah. As I've said, like the Tokyo Dome, I would say if you ever have the opportunity, you should go once, but it, it's not a venue I would um that I loved going to. I mean, it's I, I I way more enjoyed going to Core Q and Hall. I would love to go to Budokan and some of the other venues there. Like the Tokyo Dome, just feels like it's it has a very Sky Dome feel where it doesn't have that's, a whole. That's lot any of, stadium show. It, it is a lot, but there are some stadiums that have a bit more like like character to them. Um, like the Tokyo, it's Tokyo cool. Dome has though, that. Like, Tokyo Dome has a character. A little bit, a little bit. It's a uh, it's 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 a big it's a big construction site in in there and. Uh, it was made for baseball, and you get you get wrestling. But hey, I think everyone should go. The best seats were those ones we had on the balcony that first night. Those were great seats. Yeah, remember where so, we were? It's so it's been it's been three years, man. So man, it's almost hard for me to remember that far back. And uh, ratings notes: 
So a few numbers here, uh, some very good ones from WWE, starting off with Friday Night Smackdown with the return of John Cena, 2,629,000 viewers and a .64 in the demo. It was the most watched episode of Smackdown since Christmas Day of 2020, which almost isn't a fair show to compare it to because they had an NFL game as the lead in and did over 3 million viewers. So if you throw out that number, this is the largest since February 28th of 2020, which was a show built around John Cena's return in 2020. So, I mean, this guy, people tune in. I, I should say uh, men tune in because it was very interesting in looking at the demos here that males uh, were, were up significantly in 18 to 49, 18 to 34. In 35 to 49, men were up 44% this week over last. However, in all those demos, they were down 4%, 8%, 12% among women from the prior week. So this was men that were boosting this number. Um, but it was a tremendous, it, it was impressive alone. It was more impressive. The fact that it was going against the orange bowl that did eight and a half million viewers as well on ESPN, which dominated cable on Friday night. They also did a very good number in Canada, their largest in uh, several months as well. So the John Cena return, it, uh, it worked wonders and did top the Bray Wyatt, uh, tease return from September. So, Rampage uh, did not have uh, as strong a night, uh, down 17% in viewers with 470,000 and a 35% drop in the demo to a 0.12. Uh, it's only their lowest numbers in uh, a couple of weeks because they had been slowly building up and then this was a, a come down number. 18 to 34 was way down because they did that huge number the previous week and fell pretty much in half this week, including a 68% drop in men. 18 to 34. They, they were not tuning in for the best friends to break up. This was a loud, uh, this was a loud protest from men 18 to 34. Do not pit the best friends against each other. We're not, we're not into that kind of stuff. Do not tease us. And then Raw on Monday did a million six hundred and five thousand viewers, a point four one in the demo, uh, falling down to eleventh on cable. Uh, you did have have several bowl games during the day, uh, but the big thing was the NFL game, which was a very interesting case because you had this uh, horrible incident uh, involving Demar Hamlin uh, getting injured, uh, and the injury occurred at eight fifty five p.m. So what you saw was Raw did a tremendous first hour. It was uh, the highest hour of Raw since November, but then the show just tanked in hour two and three. Huge declines uh, in, in those hours, and what you had was a lot of people tuning over to the game and what was going on there. Uh, between ABC, ESPN, and ESPN2, there were just under 24 million people watching the football game. In the demo, uh, it was a 6.24 rating in 18 to 34 between those three networks uh, covering the game. And, you know, these kinds of situations, Way, are unpredictable, but it's almost the how are they going to handle this? Like, I was turning on the game. I never turned football on. So I'm sure I was like a lot of people that were seeing this. You're flooded with messages about what is going on. And and, you know, th this was over an hour of them uh, covering this in the stadium. Like, it was over an hour before they officially called off the game. So I think certainly you had people tuning out of Raw. Um, they fell 24% in viewers throughout the show, 22% among uh, 18 to 49. Um, but in Canada, their highest number since Halloween. Well, um, I, guess. I I've, I've given up predicting <laughs> Canadians' uh, viewing habits. Um, they... Uh, 
you know, Halloween night, you would think a horrible number. They, they did tremendous on Halloween night. We are just give us our raw on Monday night. That is the Canadian motto. World junior World. hockey and raw and curling. Yeah. Did you notice on TSN? They had a new ad tonight um, for uh, it's called ageless man uh, testosterone. So th- this um, was a specific Canadian. This was I designed for that. Canadians. This was I not a that. TBS ad. Are you interested? No, no. Are you in the market? I'm not, I'm not in for the market tea? for any testosterone. No, no. I want something that gives me lower testosterone. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a, I, I want some, I want some lower tea. No. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what you can do for that. That is all the news way. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, great, great as always. Very comprehensive news pack. As John mentioned, uh, a lot of great writing on the site. Um, updates on Russell Kingdom from Andrew Thompson. Great thorough report from Karen Peterson on the site as well. So go check that out at postwrestling.com. Yes. I think, I think the entire post world was, uh, or post, uh, staff was watching the show live. Like we had, you, me, like it. Andrew was doing live coverage. Karen was watching it live. Marcotte was in the Discord running, running things. Braden and Davey were tweeting up at Storm. I mean, they don't sleep anyway at, at three in the morning, so I True. assume they would be up. Are you getting up for New Year's Dash? Um, what time does it start? Four thirty. I, I might not be up for that, but I could be. Uh, I'll be up early. I'm not getting up live for that one. But uh, WH Park and I will be live Thursday at one p.m. Eastern time on the free YouTube channel. So go. Right here, youtube.com slash post wrestling. Just subscribe. Just do it already. And you will get notified when WH and I go live and we will chat New Year's Dash and get WH's thoughts on some of the highlights over the past week. Cause I saw the Stardom show, the Noah show. I saw Kento Miyahara and Takuya Nomura. And of course, WH's thoughts on, on Wrestle Kingdom. The man always comes loaded with thoughts. I think WH might even have some nice things to say about a Kenny Omega match this time around. Wow. I look forward to it. Have you, do you have some intel? I, I I saw his grapple rating. Yes. Okay. Um. So New Year Dash is available for free on New Japan. It's World. a free show on New Japan World. You don't have to sign up for the service to get it, which uh, yeah, is, is a smart uh, play on their part. And mm-hmm. even more reason that I would be pushing hard for the Yokohama Arena show for people to sign up for the service, like use that mm-hmm. two hour commercial, two and a half hours uh, for all it's worth. So New Year's Dash is always a, a pretty fun show overall. As was Dynamite from the Climate Pledge Arena, and I pledge that um, they just do a, a circuit of uh, Texas and Seattle, Texas and Seattle, back and forth. Unbelievable, best crowd of the year. Can we agree? I think so. Well, for AEW, yeah, you know what? Worldwide, this sure. was a hotter yeah. crowd than the Tokyo Dome. Yes, it, was. it was. This yes, was an unbelievable show, and you know what? I, I don't care if I get it in the comments here. There is. There is absolutely no comparison to eight, nine thousand AEW fans in an arena and eight or nine thousand fans in a WWE Raw venue. Okay, it is night and day the heat that they get consistently on these dynamites. You might have the odd bad crowd for AEW, but it's pretty rare. And Raw, it's a killer for me on some of these shows. Is that these? It's just this. There's so less um, enthusiasm that. I mean, an average match on one of these shows is elevated so much more when this and this was an extreme example because this Seattle crowd, uh, they were on something for two hours. It was nonstop. They loved everything on this show. Well, it's a debut in a brand new city. And, and you know, there, there are a lot of untapped markets for AEW and a lot of pent up, I think, you know, um, 
demand for for these things or for for this product um you have of course a brian danielson i think you have you know they booked the show for the seattle market too with darby oh and darby danielson uh with swerve and most of all they were like we need to carve out some stuff for aubrey edwards on the show like they cornered this this hometown return for everybody yeah if there's any disappointment maybe you know that this show might not be as uh promoted as heavily as like the la show that's coming up next week i mean you didn't hear from this crowd they were treating this like it was their wrestle kingdom yeah so the last number from wrestle ticks uh was over 8800 tickets distributed for the show sounded like three times that at points on the show excalibur welcomes Uh us to a brand new new set john yes a new era of aew so we had like a slightly remixed uh, theme, and then we go into the look. Uh, we're, we're going with like a red, white, and blue color pattern. Uh, no more tunnels. No more tunnels, it looks like. Although I, I, I believe like it still looks like they might have like heel and babyface entrances. Did you get that sense, John? Looking uh, at- from the sides, I did not notice it, if, if that is how they're coming. Um, I don't mind like- the, uh, the exclusion of the tunnels. Um, that, that's fine. Um, I, I wasn't paying attention if people were, but it does look like two separate entrances there. Yeah, but just, you know, a whole lot of screen, similar to, I think, you know, what you currently see on Raw. Um, it's, it just makes the place feel big, makes the thing look, look really big in a platform that's, you know, multi-stepped. Um, I really like the brand new look, you know, gone is sort of like the multicolored dust, the dynamite dust. Uh, and, and in is, you know, this sort of like, uh, red, red and blue lasers. Um, it's fresh, you know, like I, I expected them to maybe change even a bit more, like, like maybe even the logo, but you know, as Tony Khan said, he didn't want to overpromise and then, um, under deliver. So this, this, I thought was a very satisfying, you know, a fresh coat of paint. Yeah. There was also a point in the show where they came back from a break and we got like a scenic shot of the Seattle skyline, which I do not remember, AEW ever showing and it was just like like you see the the space needle there and just it gives you some like hey we're here in this city let's like make that Mm -hmm. like it's almost like the city sometimes is a character on the program in and of itself like they're reacting in such a way and it was just it was a small thing but I, I like that kind of addition Chris Jericho kicks off the new year taking on Ricky Starks with Matt Menard and Jeff Parker in his corner and the crowd is going nuts and they're chanting. I'm like, what are they chanting? And they're chanting Aubrey Edwards. Yes. She was incredibly over on this show. <laughs> so uh Starks does the rope walk uh coming off the uh the new school. And then Jericho suplexes Starks off the apron to the floor. We go through the break and Starks climbs, lands on the feet from a moonsault, blocks a code breaker and lands a super kick and then ends up getting hit by the code breaker, but stops the Judas effect. Rochambeau is stopped and Jericho tries for the walls and the audience is just getting so intense. And he pulls Starks away from the rope with the walls applied. Parker then distracts Aubrey, allowing Menard to nail Starks with the bat from the floor. And Starks looks like he's out. And Aubrey comes to check and lift the arm and he powers his way back. And this was like a good like false finish because you really thought that they the guy was unconscious, but the man overcame a bat shot, breaks free, tornado DDT, and then knocks down Menard and Parker, spears Jericho, and Ricky Starks wins in 12 minutes and 35 seconds as the crowd just uh, – they were just building and building, and then they got to uh, just let it all out for this finish. And a big win for Ricky Starks, 
but uh, post-match angle to come. Your thoughts on the match? I thought it was really perfect, you know, and certainly you you might not have to do much in front of a crowd like this to have what felt like a very successful segment, but I thought they, you know, the content here was was absolutely booked perfectly. Ricky Starks, several weeks in now, um, elevated up on the stage, feels that much more cemented as a big star, and, you know, um, I... I don't know if I was necessarily, necessarily expecting him to get the win here, you know, because Jericho had just lost to Andretti. Um, but uh, I, th- I think twice. they got everyone on the bat shot submission. I think most yeah. people were thinking like there, there's your out and they'll they'll build to a starts win down the road or something. Mm-hmm. And they had Starks win. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily feel like the Andretti loss for Jericho took anything away from Starks beating Jericho maybe like it feels like less of an upset but I think Starks beating Jericho at this point isn't even really that much of an upset you know you're, you're talking about a guy that this crowd already sees very much as a main eventer um, everything about his presence and his comeback and his wrestling is completely fits the mold he's absolutely nailing the spotlight that he's he's being given right now and Jericho doesn't lose a thing Again, you no. know, like he lost to Andretti, still comes in as like, you know, one of the biggest uh, heels of the entire show. And after this loss to Starks, I mean, let's he can't lose every single week. But like two in a row, I think it's is more than justifiable for Chris Jericho to keep this thing still fresh. And they're going to keep going with this. You had Daniel Garcia, Jake Hager and Sammy Guevara storm the ring, attacking Starks when Action Andretti returns after being warned never to come back here. And he runs down with a chair and his eye is all done up selling the effects of the fireball and starts leveling the Jericho Appreciation Society members with chair shots. And then Anna J takes the chair from behind and with Andretti focused on Anna J, Ty Conti is behind and low blows Andretti and then Starks is power bombed off the apron by Hager through a table. So Andretti and Starks are left laying by the end of this segment and uh, more to come. But yeah, you, you, um, incorporated Andretti into this. Starks had a, a, a great win and you probably can build to. Some kind of tag match or different combinations here that you can go huge with. reaction for Andretti. Like, man, this this crowd really, really is treating this guy well. Um, like, like you know, they're they're still coming off of the fumes of that incredible, I think, angle slash match that he had with Jericho. And I, I mean, really, they they did a great job of like underselling us. Action Andretti because he comes in and he, this is by the way a photo from an indie show where he's still selling the uh, the, the eye patch and and eye injury and everything. Good for him. So it, it's wonderful. But like he, you know, he, he's been given the spotlight and I think he's been absolutely delivering. He's clearly somebody that's far more capable than you know what what we probably expected of him uh, initially. And um, he he fits right into this like big TV spot. Tony Schiavone is in the ring and brings out Hangman Page, and there is nothing that Hangman wanted more than to come out here and announce that he is medically cleared. But as of today, he is not, and he doesn't want to keep setting back his timeline by showing up and attacking Moxley. He has been told not to, and he says he wants him next week in Inglewood, but if I fly home and get one final brain scan, then I will be cleared for next week. So I am not Dr. Alex Patel. Maybe we should have brought him on here. I had many questions here. So he's not cleared. That means they made a determination today that your brain is not fit for physical contact as of today. But when we scan it 
in a couple of days, it'll be fine. Is that is that how concussions work? <laughs> that you you have a concussion right now, but you won't on Saturday. I, I don't think that's how that work, how how it necessarily works, but it's it maybe it's just more, it's a very dumbed down idea of how biology works in professional wrestling, where you know two days time strictly equals um, health, and it, it's more so just I think Hangman saying if I don't get physically involved today, my healing can progress as prescribed. Well, this is the time when you have always said that it kind of annoys you when they have to go out of their way to say no physicality. That was obviously the reasoning here. But I think they overthought this because for him to come out and just announce I'm cleared and the match is on giant pop and we know definitively the match is happening. And I think everyone realizes the match is happening next week, but it was still like it's like the whole reason we didn't say he's cleared is so that we could have a reason for them not to go to blows with one another. And I think it just could have done and been done in a better way than, well, I'm not cleared yet, but hopefully I'll be cleared in a few days instead of just the match is on next week. Let's just hard sell that the match is on next week. So anyway, not a big deal. I think most leaving this realize the match is happening next week. And Hangman mm. promises to, quote, knock your dick in the dirt. Put that on a T-shirt. Is that a new stipulation match? A dick in the dirt match. I don't know if I want That's to see a that or not. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So Moxley comes out and goes face to face with him and said he's surprised Hangman made it here after all you've been through, being very sarcastic. I'm tired of the candlelight vigil for you. And then the audience starts chanting, We can't hear you. And here us at home can hear him perfectly fine. There is no problem with the audio, but the crowd cannot. So he gets another mic and he talks. They cheer, but then they quickly boo again when they can't hear him. He's going nuts because it sounds completely fine. So I imagine he is not understanding. Like it's not, it doesn't feel like there's any problem here. So, well, he, he can't tell what's coming through the, the home speakers or not. He's just talking. Yeah. But yeah, uh, the, the house speakers were. Moxley were tried to keep a straight face here, but even at a certain point, it's like, Jesus Christ, can we get this back on track here? I, I think they should be grateful that it happened to somebody as experienced as John Moxley, because I think under, you know, less experienced people, it could have been far more awkward. Moxley was able to take it and it was just like, all right, go Seahawks. All right, let's just go, you know, get on with this thing. Imagine uh, having their Max Caster's rap. Oh, that crowd would have be been livid. Yeah. So the mic, so they get the, they get the mic working. So 2023, new look. 2024, we're going to get a new, new sound. <laughs> the, the mics, yeah. Yeah. Eventually we'll work, work. I thought it would be, maybe the crowd was just being so loud that they couldn't hear him. That was my thought here because anyway, it sounded fine to us. We, we were not having the problem at home, but nonetheless, um, they get back and he says that Paige plays the victim. It makes him sick. Paige explains, it didn't make me mad that you knocked me out. I've been knocked out plenty of times. It's the profession that we're in. I'd never be mad at you over something like that. But then you made a joke about it, a joke about nearly changing my life. And it's because you felt threatened and you know that I'm coming for revenge this time around. I've got two in the chamber with your name on them and you're going to get them at the forum. So this is a, your dick's going in the dirt and you're going underground. Ooh. Ouch. These were threats. And they Moxie really says, the only joke is Paige thinking the next time is going to be any different. You don't belong in the ring with me. 
And next time, I'm going to make sure you don't come back. And Moxley took off a great segment between these two. Um, really rooting for this brain scan to come back with, the, uh, <laughs> with this match uh, being a go for. I mean, they really should make that the L.A. segment. You know, uh, Paige gets his brain scan. Tune in on that. Rampage for the live brain scan. Live. <laughs> Doc Sampson reads the results of the brain scan. We can have an envelope presented to him. Gets out like the. Uh, I don't know if those things are immediate though. You know, you might have to wait a few hours before a brain scan comes through. But yeah, yeah, sure. This poor um, guy just uh, the the amount of uh, air miles Hangman has picked up with this concussion, uh, city to city, every single week for uh, his updates that are, <laughs> yeah, not cleared, <laughs> not cleared, not cleared. See you, <laughs> see you at the next town. Uh, anyway, John, <laughs> they must hate hate somebody like you reviewing something like this because <laughs> no one's no one's listening at this point. They would hate me. Uh, um, we've had some great promos from these two, haven't we? Throughout this entire, um, you know, uh, back and forth through br- a, a series of brain scans, it's it's great. It's made for some great excuses to be able to hear from both these two, two complete huge baby faces on the roster, cutting very very, you know deep scathing promos on one another and yet somehow we we still want to cheer them both at, at the end of it all um i think they both felt really strong coming out of this moxley especially like he's just um he's been so natural and hangman too like at this point like having gone through the title run um coming back up into the spotlight after you know maybe a second half of 2022 not necessarily feeling like he was in a main, main event role at all um he really feels hot again and I'm really looking forward to this match. He's promising two in the chamber. So I think we have to look at at least, you know, a, a couple buckshot lariats before um, he might actually win. Or does he win? What do you think, John? Who wins next week? Does Hangman Page hit him with two buckshots and sends John Moxley ice fishing? I don't think he's ever going to go ice fishing. I think it's a pipe dream. He's probably lost interest in fishing by now. Wouldn't that be the joke of all jokes if they finally – you can have your time off uh, in the middle of January. Go have a fun fishing trip in January in Cincinnati. Well, you, you mentioned ice fishing. Maybe you can go further up north. Is there? Have you ever met anyone in your life that said, hey, I was ice fishing the other day or I want to go ice fishing? I have I've not. never met someone that has – wanted to do that or has gone i mean it's never come up in conversation somebody might very well want to i think it's a myth that anyone's gone ice fishing ever it just doesn't (laughs) seem like something anyone would want to try right um i don't know i have opened myself up for plenty of feedback uh, ice fishers have at it i mean we'll see i I thought the segment was great i thought it was really good my uh my best talker of 2022 john moxley getting off to a, a nice 2023 um I, I don't believe this person, by the way. I mean, doesn't even <laughs> attach a real name to this uh, supposed achievement of ice fishing three times, nor is it a real avatar. So I, okay. I can't believe him. Joe versus Darby, the little dead boy that could. Darby Allen, who will be in the main event with Samoa Joe. I haven't uh, found that book yet for uh, for my kid. So it's uh, it's it's usually um, it's it's a mail order for sure. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> the little dead boy that could. <laughs> The acclaimed versus Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal match that uh, Jeff Jarrett's going to shoot. He's going to shoot, brother. AEW tag titles on the line. Max Caster comes out and raps, stating that Karen is getting dragged online worse than Skip Bayless, that Jeff will blame Dixie Carter for anything that goes wrong, and you messed up like Andrew Tate did. 
Nothing off 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 limits for. I mean, Max Caster apps are kind of like my connection to pop culture these days. I sometimes like I get the references. Sometimes I I hear the names, but don't exactly know what the stories are. So I'll assume this was this killed live. So I'll assume it, it was a great line. They were into it. So uh, Max Caster and Jeff Jarrett, who have been working overtime over the past week, building up the, this match. Bowens uh, you, too. Um, yeah, Bowen, Bowens as well. Um, yeah, Karen Jarrett tweeting. And so Max is doing all these like the, like the Kurt Angle, like twirl, and then applies an ankle lock to did the angle, angle slam. Actually, he did the angle slam as well in this. You're right. So uh, doing all these spots in front of uh, Jarrett to upset him. And then Billy comes in and they all scissor before Billy is ejected. And this crowd is livid that Billy is being thrown out. Jarrett is so happy about Billy being sent away. They get the advantage on Bowens. And then Jarrett knocks Caster off the apron. Uh, there's a super kick to Jarrett when Max gets the uh, the hot tag and delivered the most uh, non-graceful leap over the top, landing on Jay Lethal. Uh, this man is not a high flyer, but uh, he, he makes it his style. And then... Uh, Jarrett shoves Max he, off. He, as far as like wrapping wrestlers go, I, I I would say he did pretty well, flying over the top rope. Uh, who who are the the candidates as wrapping wrestlers? Uh, top dollar specifically. Oh, <laughs> very good. Yes. Uh, so Jarrett shoves Max off the top to the floor. They double team Bowens. Figure four applied, and then Max is sent into the stairs by Sting. So the ref ejects Dutt and Sing while ignoring Bowens in the figure four it, to the point that. Lethal gives up on the figure four. The ref is like all distracted dealing with Dutt and Singh. So then Bowens stops the lethal injection, but is hit with the stroke. And as he goes for the pin, Bowens gets his foot on the rope, but Dutt sends the foot off the rope. The referee misses this counting three and a riot was about to ensue here in Seattle. As the bell rings, you are believing that Jared and lethal have won the tag titles when here to save the day is Aubrey Edwards, who explains yes. to Stefan Smith what happened. I mean, such a little thing that like they made Aubrey Edwards the hero to save the Acclaims title reign. And it the match is restarted and Lethal tries to use the rope for leverage. He is pushed off. And with the momentum, Bowens reverses, getting on top and hooking the legs to pin Lethal. Uh, the com- the combined time was 11 minutes and 16 seconds with the acclaimed winning. Uh, but because of the finish, they will run this back on Friday. This turned out way better than I expected. Um, I, I've been not. Uh, I've been pretty vocal about, you know, my distaste for this Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal group. And I take it all back, even though we did not get a Jeff Jarrett rap at the end of it all. Um, I thought this match was really excellent. And I think it shows to me that like the acclaim, despite like not being in the ring with like wrestlers that like or a team like Swerve and, and, and Keith Lee, like they are great on their own, you know, and, and having great characters to oppose them and jeff jarrett is the perfect type of character with the amount of baggage attached to him for max caster to focus on with his raps that i think is perfect for the acclaimed in terms of crowd interaction in terms of just like how how everybody got got involved between like Suttonum Singh, you know, get, getting getting all these referees around him to uh, Sanjay, of course, you know, being involved in in the dusty finish here and then i think the brilliant bookending of caster now pushing jay lethal's leg off of the ropes in order to lead to the acclaim winning um i thought all of this was really really brilliant i'm looking forward to the rematch for sure 
and all the like shenanigans, like it naturally sets up the, the reason to have a no holds barred match on Friday, which will be mm-hmm. the rematch uh, that we'll get to later. And then we'll get our wrap, maybe. Perhaps by, by the, the, the end of this whole thing, you get, we need a go home wrap from Jarrett. Maybe we'll get the ultimate, uh, the, the final match down, down the road. Shivani is sit, sitting down with Dr. Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. And Baker explains that Soraya just doesn't get it. What AEW means to them, we are home growing. They had rocky starts in AEW, but we worked our way to the top. And we don't know why Soraya hasn't picked a partner yet. She's friends with Sheeta and Tony Storm, who are excellent. And Baker calls herself the boss. A not so mm. subtle reference to Rick Ross. <laughs> of course. Very cryptic. Or Bruce Springsteen. All possible. I mean, uh, many, many uh, different potential hints that this was drawing us to. And then calls uh, calls themselves the killer and the pillar. Yeah, which they have a new new T-shirt now. Oh, that's right. They've got they've got the shirts. Okay, killer and the pillar. Killer and the pillar. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're wearing it. Yeah, they're they're wearing it. Yeah. Why why don't we have a rhyming duo name? Um, because we're not wrestlers. Oh, okay. Just curious about uh, how you arrive at I, Killer I, and the Pillar. I actually missed on that boss line, so great catch. Uh, yes, it was, you know, certainly people were reading into that as some kind of hint towards uh, it. But uh, more to come with, with Soraya afterwards. Jack Perry is in the back, and he issues a challenge to Big Bill and Lee Moriarty for one night only next week. He will team up with hook in his hometown in California to take on. Look at this. Look at these two. What, what, what are we going to call this team? This has to be like, I don't know. Um, red hook one Oh five, eight, seven, you know, <laughs> I don't know. This looks like it's this, a, this is, Fox, the, Fox this is like drama right here. TBS has uh, a brand new spin <laughs> on the parent trap. <laughs> They totally could be twins, but like separated at birth, you know. One went on to one went on to live with a Hollywood celebrity, and the other went to live with Taz. Yeah, this is you and me. This is you and me. Way Way is like a presentable, nice young man, and me, I'm just you know miserable. People have uh, suggested it uh, in the weeks past, and people in the chat room are bringing it up right now. Jungle Hook. Yeah, come on, they've got to call him. They've got to call him this. Lovely. Brian Danielson against Tony Nese. Um, I'm adding a new category at the end of the year. Best three minute and 25 second match. Okay. Okay. See how many candidates there are. This is the leader. Okay. This crowd, the bell rings. They gave the man a standing ovation for, for showing up to the arena, for being here, for being here in our city. The, uh, Danielson is just like milky. He's like, yeah, I can't hear you. Can you get me louder? <laughs> They're all chanting. Yes. They were having the time of their life. And this was just, you know, Tony Nice just tried to have uh, a quick match with him. Josh Woods grabs the leg and Nice hits the running Nice in the corner. But Danielson recovers, kicks to the chest, then is power bombed into the corner. Nice misses a follow up running Nice. Busaiku Nee stomps. And once again, the regal stretch. And once again, not called as such in mm. three minutes and 25 seconds. Danielson is your winner. Um, but the real main event was everything to come after this, which is kind of what we suspected. It was, you know, I know people wanted something big for Danielson on this show. I would say he was certainly one of the big stars on this show in terms of the whole uh, presentation and getting a quick three minute match. I was not complaining about after watching it. 
Yeah, and I think for the segment, it needed to be a bit of a short squash type of match in order for you to have an extended speaking segment, and and it certainly felt extended uh, with MJF afterwards. Dude, my notes for this the, this segment afterwards was like eight times the length of the match. So yeah. that was that was the Brian involvement. He mm-hmm. says it's great to be home, and he's feeling froggy. So he's ready for yeah. another fight. And he calls out MJF. Have people always said, like, used froggy in, in common daily talking? And I've just not noticed. I've but. only ever heard that term in, in wrestling. If yeah, when people are about froggy, to go for a frog splash. Jump. Yeah. I, I never thought it was witty. And I have low standards for wit. MJF comes out calling him brain-damaged Brian. And he is not interested in wrestling tonight or entertaining these schmucks. He gets a big paycheck regardless of whether he works or not. He's got that guaranteed money. And he's a special attraction. And Brian, if you took Lance Storm and Dean Malenko and they had a child, it would still be more charismatic than you. You look like a goat, but that doesn't make you the greatest of all time. Perhaps Mama Danielson couldn't find a human suitor in 1981 and therefore had to get together with a goat. Let me just pause you right there, okay? Because, I mean, as great as this promo was, I mean, Lance Storm is no slouch. Tweeting immediately, if Dean and I did have a kid, he'd be as good of a wrestler as Brian Danielson. I'd have to have a kid with The Miz to produce the MJF. Ooh, look at Lance on oh, top of this. you don't want to screw with Lance on Twitter. Yeah, wow. That was, that was great. The Lance, Lance gets zingers in, for sure. That's it. So Danielson then brings up all of the human suitors that he's heard his mother has had, that being MJF's mom, and says that there's more than that could fit into this arena. And then Danielson surveys the crowd. How many of you have slept with MJF's mom? And they all cheer. Yes, we all have. MJF he says, didn't say those words. He says, how many of, uh, how many of you are, are, are human suitors for MJF. He, he well, what do you think class. he meant by this? You well, think I'm just saying Brian Danielson is a little bit classier than that in, in delivering his your mom jokes. Yes. All right. Yes. How many of you uh, had a custom suit made for <laughs> MJF's mom? MJF says he's the best wrestler and has a title to prove it. Who made you the best wrestler in the world? Journalists who have never left their mother's basement. He I live says, on the second floor of my own house. Thank you very much. That's right. Yeah. Mortgage, bitch. And says there are three men who have put me over disco inferno eric bischoff (laughs) and jim Cornette. (laughs) uh great great lines here from mjf i thought the low-key best line of this was danielson in his calm brian danielson like way like taking a deep breath and stating in like the most relaxed tone mjf i hate you (laughs) <laughs> like just such calming i hate you like not a anger but just a fact i i hate you and mjf runs as brian tease is going after him and mjf says this is not play wrestling it's pro wrestling if you want a shot at my title then you need to become the number one contender and he has come up with a a gauntlet that danielson has to run where you have to wrestle on tv every week through february the 8th and if you win all those matches then you can become the number one contender and get a shot at revolution danielson says no 
I'm cool wrestling my schedule whenever I feel like it. And MJF blows a gasket. I run this company, not Tony Khan, not the EVPs, and you'll never get a title shot unless you do it my way. So Danielson agrees if he can pick the stipulation for revolution. And if he beats these opponents through February the 8th, he will have a one-hour Iron Man match at at, at Revolution. Revolution. And says that he will run through every opponent, and he's choosing a 60-minute Iron Man match because I am going to expose you as a bad wrestler who doesn't have cardio and is going to get exposed for poor footwork. Oh, ouch. Uh, I love the stipulation. I think it's great. We don't- I think you're all smoke and mirrors, and you won't be able to plot out 60 minutes with me. Well, have we, when was the last time we saw an Iron Man match in AEW? Have we ever seen a one hour Iron Man match? Danielson and Hangman last year. And that was TV. That was TV, correct. Okay. Okay. Um, I love it. I, 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 I thought it was a bit unusual that we would, um, get something like this, like this on a pay per view on a, for a product where like pay per view time and trying to cram everybody on the card is already such a, so hard to do it tells me we might get a more condensed card than usual i don't think you can occupy 14 matches if you're doing an hour with these two how did the the hangman iron man match do on in the ratings that that week, john do you remember it was this it was the first episode of 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 uh last year um that that they did that one on i i, I can pull up the number here and uh because and I'm, I'm it. curious. It, it, it's definitely a different beast doing it on tv versus pay-per-view tv mm-hmm. it's you know, in, in historically with WWE Iron Man matches on TV, you would see the pattern that people would tune in at the beginning and then they'd come back at the end. Pay-per-view, it's like you're buying the match. Yeah. So I, I think it works much better on, on pay-per-view than than doing it on television. I agree. I think it's a very unique stipulation in that like there's enough intrigue and very real world intrigue in seeing somebody wrestle a 60-minute match. It is a very legitimate physical feat enough to get you into the door to be curious about wanting to see the match. Does it get you curious enough if you aren't paying for it to watch every single second of it? If you're a casual fan, not necessarily. So I, I I mean, I certainly feel like it, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly worth the risk. You're promising an incredible physical feat from these two. Um, And I love just the logic of it. Here's Brian Danielson, the pure wrestler, talking to the part-timer MJF challenging him to be able to go 60 minutes in a pure essentially a pure wrestling type of match and I logically I think it's wonderful Uh, so just looking back I I don't have like the the quarters but that was the TBS debut so you did have that going for it as well um with with Mm -hmm. with, you know a a superior lead-in but the show did a million ten thousand viewers and it was one of their best 18 to 34 numbers ever um as well so it, it, it did very well uh that January 5th show last year Okay, well, very interesting. Um, you know, the, the Regal aspect of it all continues to be pretty interesting I, to me. I don't even want to bring up Regal. I don't feel MJF is being uh, painfully holding on to this title and everyone is after him and it's the curse that Regal has left him with. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. The, the more I dissect that promo, the more I... <laughs> the I the Regal I, explanation, I, I agree, I thought was completely unnecessary. But from Brian's perspective, I mean, that is his motivation for wanting to get at MJF, is it not? At least that's how it was. And he continues to remind us by using the Regal stretch, even though the announcers aren't calling it. And 
in the body of this promo, you certainly had no mentions of William Regal. Like I, I just felt the whole idea of revenge for Brian was was definitely understated uh, this week, maybe compared to previously. It's you know? tough because you don't want to just complete like that was the whole setup for this. At the same time, you probably don't want to be making Regal such a focus. Yeah. It's a difficult balancing act, but you know that is the the reason for this and the fact that he's using the Regal stretch. Like they are keeping that aspect of it alive, but and also keeping him separate from the BCC throughout this this whole post. So he is teaming with Mox on. That's right. Friday. That is, that is right. They are teaming up. Um, so that that's interesting for Portland on Friday night. Next match was. Killshot versus Dante Fox. Part two. That's it. Yes. They mentioned Swerve uh, being from the Pacific Northwest and also a veteran of Defy Wrestling. There you go. Look at Excalibur trying to be all Michael Cole on us. And they mentioned their history being in Lucha Underground, which I want to know if... If we're acknowledging their rivalry in Lucha Underground, do they also adopt their characters from that time? Like, did... Did uh, did Swerve in fact leave him on the battlefield? Who, who died uh, in Lucha Underground? Neither of these two died, but they were they were. Uh, who has died? Oh, plenty of people died. Uh, yeah, so, if uh, they pop up in AEW, how do they explain that? If if now, well, these if two Lucha didn't die. Is canon. I'm saying if in the future, I understand. I understand. Well, if Dario Cueto ever shows up, it, it would have to be his. Uh, what was it? His his father? His I, 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 I can't remember. I, I can't go down the, uh, the the life and death of uh, Lucha Underground. But yeah, these two, they were they were at war together in like Afghanistan or Iraq. And yeah, <laughs> and Killshot left them. And then AR Fox made his way back and came for revenge. They've been through a lot together. Yes. Anyway. Um, so last week. Um, so Grandin Goatsman is tattooed dude. Last week he was. One of the two goons this week, Tony Schiavone called him that freak. Yeah, I know. Really liberal use of, of the word freak, freak here. They're really, they call, I guess they're really workshopping a name for him. They call him uh, the painted man at times. I mean, they're man. really keeping it a, a, a tease. I, I imagine they, they might have, you know, something already planned. But could this be a look that Dexter Loomis incorporates that would maybe give him something new? Um. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. You think he's willing to go through? This, I would say this look either goes to Dexter Loomis or Dominic. Uh, well, Dominic's already getting a start with the tier, isn't he? It starts with one. That's it. They're addicted by here. So each does uh, their, their flip over over the top rope, and they have a stare down on the floor. Fox is a shooting star off the apron. I mean, these two just they have a, a near perfect chemistry together. It just it really works with these two. Uh, tattoo dude nails Fox in the corner behind the ref's back, and then Fox gets knocked off the top, lands on his feet, and hits a cutter from his knees, hits an iconoclasm, and then pulls the arms into a cutter and falls with the 450 on Swerve, just seamless from move to move. And then they're on the buckle, and Parker hands a weapon off to Swerve, who nails Fox and proceeds to hit a Death Valley driver off the turnbuckle to the edge of the apron, rolls in Fox, hits the stomp off the top to the throat, and wins in nine minutes and nine seconds with the lackadaisical cover as Swerve prevails in uh, huh. our follow-up. Yeah. How perfect did that double stomp look? It you looked know, pretty great. Angles. It looked pretty great. I mean, it looked perfectly safe ultimately, but like you, you couldn't, there's isn't much room for error when you're jumping, you know, right on a dude's throat like that. Um, 
awesome, awesome, awesome match. And like you said, John, incredible, perfect chemistry between these two. Another great showcase match, I thought, for AR Fox. Um, and yeah, I don't know how far he's going to necessarily advance, like, but I mean, he, he's having some great matches right now with, uh, people that he's, um, I guess known and wrestled for a long time. Yeah. And they did mention he is now a hundred thousand dollars richer after the battle royal win. Is that tax, do you think? Probably. Tough. Tough. Yeah. So really, what, what are we thinking? 70? I mean, it's a good thing like home. Ethan Page or any of the Canadians didn't win it. I mean, you'd probably Ooh, have a withholding tax, like 30%. Yeah, but the dollar exchange rate, though, would be in their favor. Mm. I think. Yeah. Is there a processing fee as well? Great questions. Yeah. Renee has a sit-down with Soraya, Hikaru Shida, and Tony Storm. And Soraya says that Britt is gatekeeping the women's division. Tony explains she got screwed out of her title by them, and her face was fractured. And Soraya is asked about her partner for next week. And she says AEW has the best female roster in the world and puts on the best matches. And she puts over both both Hikaru Shida and Tony Storm mentioning their match that they recently had where they killed it. And she realizes I'm sitting next to the best women's wrestler out there, Tony Storm. And she looks at Tony and Hikaru Shida is pissed at this sheer disrespect from Soraya to the point that I feel Hikaru Shida is going to be very upset about this exclusion and maybe is going to take out the supposed great wrestler, Tony Storm, leaving Soraya without a partner and in need of one next week. Very interesting. Yeah, you're saying that's my theory, because I cannot imagine that this is the end to our mystery setup unless. uh, Well, I mean, it's always possible, but I I did not read this as a definitive uh, meaning uh, of Tony Storm teaming with her next week. And the fact this angle was done with Sheeta, um, that's where I could see this going. The idea of a possible Sheeta heel turn, I saw on my time, I at least seemed to excite a lot of people. And um, of the three, I... Th- this is more heelish, I thought, for Soraya, to be quite honest. Like, this oh, is pretty yeah. disrespectful. And the way she... I mean, the way she was also saying, since I got here, I've learned that AEW yeah. ha- puts on great matches and has the best women. Like it was, it was more of a cockier promo from Soraya and disrespectful to Hikaru Shida. Although I'd, I'd be all on board for a Shida heel run at some point. Soraya's actions were certainly heelish, but I mean, I, I, I don't necessarily know if that was intentional or not with her. Um, We'll see, man. Like, um, they, they're choosing to keep this thing a, a mystery for a lot longer than I think, you know, you and I were, were expecting, uh, up until this point. Um, if they leave it like this, like, you can't, you can't be upset if that is not, if Mercedes is not there ne- next week. Like, I don't think they have hinted mm-hmm. it towards you in any way. Well, the boss line, people will read into that, um, perhaps a little bit. But, I, I almost missed that. It yeah. And, and I wonder if, if others did as well. So anyway, that's, that's next week. If if the idea was to strongly put people in that direction of you know what you're getting, that that was certainly not the case on Wednesday show. Hmm. Hmm. On the screen appears the letters FTRIP, which the broadcasters had a hell of a time deciphering and realizing what it said, uh, which is very funny. And out comes Austin and Colton Gunn, and they prepare to give a eulogy for FTR pointing out all the tag titles they have won, but never here in AEW. They are 10 stars in their heart, but their decrepit old dad bods couldn't handle the load anymore. They've now lost all their titles and even started a podcast that no one listens to. 
A legacy they built for 10 years was destroyed in 10 minutes by the guns, and they hold a moment of silence before FTR's music plays, and this whole arena uh, just goes nuts. That they must have got on a jet. They must have time-traveled. It's only 12 hours. FTR does not come out, and the guns just laugh at them. You even have Excalibur. They were at Wrestle Kingdom. And they state that FTR can work for any promotion they want, but they will never return to AEW. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought so, the guns were great. They were awesome. This they? team is really growing on me. It's, you know, it's, it's a high caliber work rate tag division, but these guns, like they, they have done their improvements and, and I think they are a really fun act together. And I thought this was one of their more entertaining segments. I think they're just excellent shit disturbers the way, you know, his dad, their dad and, and, and road dog were, uh, at one time. And I think charismatically, they, they're both really naturals and that'll really take you a lot further, in my opinion, than just strictly being good at wrestling in AEW, you need both, but, um, you know, having one is, is certainly uh, a great head start. Um, so I, th- I think they're doing great and looks like they're building to a rematch with the FTR that, will presumably end FTR's losing streak, perhaps. There's, I know it can't happen, but I would love at one point for these guys to get jumped by the Briscoes. Can you imagine these guys feuding with the Briscoes? Hmm. Um, that would be a... Coming to a streaming you imagine service a match? That match, yeah. I think would be a lot of fun. To hey, by the way, um, now that you mention it, like uh, Honor Club, you know, Tony Khan had said that they were going to wait until Wrestle Kingdom before announcing anything. We haven't gotten anything yet, but maybe I would assume there's something imminent. Like they, they have got to announce that that show and what they're planning to do. So I, I would imagine there's an announcement imminent um, that they hmm. will be uh, stating what the what the rollout is. Jade Cargill and Red Velvet against Kiera Hogan and Sky Blue. Uh, we had uh, Blue and Red Velvet doing the uh, the fish out of water sequence. Maybe a, another tribute to Lance Storm on this show or John Moxley. Uh, it could be. Jade controls Hogan throughout the break. She's not getting along with Art, uh, with uh, with Red Velvet. So Jade walks over and kind of just like smacks her on the head to tag her in. And then eventually Jade comes back. She levels everyone with pump kicks, hits a choke slam to Kiera, and it gets into Red Velvet's face. And Red, Red Velvet has had enough. She hops to the floor and won't tag in. So Kiera Hogan rolls up Jade and... Ten people in the arena thought this was the end of the undefeated streak. And Jade gets up, pump kick, beats Jade in six minutes and 49 seconds. But Jade is now down to one baddie in Layla Gray. Do we know that for a fact? I mean, because I would I would have sworn. You're that right. They, they could be teaming up on Friday once again. But um, this, this seemed to be a, a split with Red Velvet. We'll see. We'll see. And, and maybe there's that's just something about this entire breakup that hasn't necessarily felt like it's completely clicked for me. Um, it, it There's always a bit of dissent going on between the baddies and, and Jade. And yet for whatever reason, they just seem to get back together unless specifically your Kira Hogan and Jade Cargill says that you're fired. Um, I, 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 I don't know um, the match itself. I, it was okay. I thought they were working really fast and maybe they were, you know, low on time because of how crammed the, the prior segments were. Are you um, not going to remember this match from today's viewing? Not not so much, um, but yeah, something about the breakup just doesn't feel like it's completely you know being handled um, great to me. What do you think about it? Um, 
I mean, it, it, it's just another story for me on the show. Like to me, it, ha- it hasn't reached any kind of level where it's, it's anything significant o- on the show that I'm looking towards. Uh, to, to be quite honest, like I feel they're, you know, everyone's like rooting for like Willow Nightingale to be this uh, person to knock off Jade. Like if anything, I'm, I'm thinking like they're looking at like Red Velvet more for that spot. Well, my question is like, how is Red Velvet any sort of compelling baby face coming out of this? Is she supposed to be a baby face coming out of this on Rampage? You, you you need a reason for all of this. Like Kiara Hogan, has she even gotten a promo since leaving the baddies to give you any kind of reason to root for her since she got kicked out of the group? I think she's had at least one promo. Um, I could be mistaken, but I, I, I since she's she's more of a supplemental, uh, a side character, and and the focus really is Jade versus Velvet. But nonetheless, Velvet. But but, helped- but again, like that was the exact story with Kiara. Like she went through this exact same thing and. Now Red Velvet's going through that that same story. Like Kara just got bounced out of the group, and and now we're doing another similar, you know. Yes, yes. So last week group. we got this. We got some sort of sense that like Velvet wanted to join back Kiara, Ho- join with Kiara Hogan by defecting from the baddies. Um, this week, like, so then why would she team back with Jade Cargill to go up against Kiara Hogan and willingly wrestle Kiara Hogan? Um, only to to leave Jade. I, there's just something about this that I I mean, you know what? Way? I've got the answer. Help. You'll love it. Jade's got her under an exclusive contract. <laughs> Lovely. Yes, she controls course. Red Velvet. All roads in AEW uh, in the mid card at least. Is the Layla the next one out? And then the goodies are formed. The goodies. Okay. Yeah. Moving on. Rampage and Battle of the Belts on Friday night. According to TSN's schedule, they are listing uh, Battle of the Belts for Friday night at 11 on TSN 5 with the caveat um, Rampage is not listed to air. So it would ha- you'd have to stream Rampage and then you can watch this on TV at 11. But the description says Battle of the Belts 4 with the lineup from the last Battle of the Belts special, which I imagine is just an error. But it looks like it will air on TSN 5. But that's only Battle of the Belts, which that's is the second so hour. That's so weird. Why? I, Why did they do know. that? I don't know. Oh, um, just watch on the app. So Rampage will have Moxley and Danielson against Top Flight, which which should be tremendous. Um, House of Black will speak. Preston Vance, uh, whatever his name is, he will be in action. Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker taking on the Renegade Sisters. And then Battle of the Belts has the No Holds Barred rematch with the acclaimed against Jared and Lethal. Jade Cargill against Sky Blue for the TBS title. Sky Blue got a title match out of that. She was the most, like, non-factor in that whole match. She didn't get pinned, right? She did not get pinned. Correct. I mean, that's enough to justify a title challenge, isn't it? I guess so. You were not the the fall girl. You didn't do anything. And then Orange Cassidy against Kip Sabian for the All Atlantic title. Um, not the most inspiring battle of the belts lineup. I, I gotta say, say I might be looking forward to the the acclaim versus Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal the most. Out of that's a hundred percent the the match that like Cassidy and Kip. Like I'm sure it'll be fine, but is it a match I'm I'm dying to see? I can't say I am. No. Uh, next week's Dynamite, though, has Moxley and Hangman, Brian Danielson, and his first obstacle in the path to the title, Konosuke Takeshita. This is a, a, a big featured bout. Like, and that's any match with Konosuke Takeshita, seemingly, against any sort of main eventer. He's just a name you could put in there with a John Moxley, with, you know, I, I don't know, and Claudio Castagnoli, and it's like automatic intrigue from the, the hardcores. Um, like this is the type of match I feel like Seattle might might have like been a bit happier with, but I mean they certainly weren't complaining tonight. 
I'm just looking at the cities that they're in. I could certainly see doing some kind of dissension with Moxley and Danielson. Like the fact they've kept them separately, doing something on Friday, and then at least one BCC member, it, like that would suit the story of MJF choosing Claudio or Moxley as one of the, one of the okay. people Danielson has to beat to get to the title. Interesting. So would it be Yuta? Would it be Mox? Would it be Castagnoli? I think it would have to be Moxley or, or Castagnoli. And the fact that they're teaming him with Moxley, like you could certainly do some kind of story there. And I don't think you beat either one of them in this tag match with top flight, but at least, um, you know, they're, they're not on the same page, which they haven't been since full gear. Like this is their first time and you can rack it up to their not They're not training together. There's different stories that you can do and then do a match in a couple of weeks. Uh, and then the rest was uh, Hook and Jungle Boy against Lee Moriarty and Big Bill, Soraya and Tony so Storm. are they actually calling them Jungle Hook? Somebody in the uh, thing said, uh, yes, they are. They're actually oh, they are calling, calling them, them that. Jungle Hook officially. Wonderful. Look at Hook's hair there. That looks like uh, that doesn't even look real. I feel like it's getting bigger and bigger. Like, you know, Flock of Seagulls like. Uh, yeah, I mean. They've got uh, they've got quite the the hair. Look at the, look at the hair on on both of these guys. I know it's uh, it's just flowing. Saray and Tony Storm against Hater and Baker, the Killer and the Pillar, and the Elite versus Death Triangle, es- uh, Escalera de la Muerte. Yeah, huge. I cannot fathom Kenny Omega is doing a ladder match in seven days. Well, uh, he will. He what will. what do you have? That's this guy, Tom. It's at it's Tom Customs made the greatest. (laughs) It's a great account. Graphic. This is wonderful. Wow. The jungle hook. We're going to retweet it on the post wrestling account. Maybe this is going to be in the uh, the spot immediately following Dynamite next week on TBS (laughs) as a late replacement programming. I love it. I love it. Could could you imagine? um, Power slap gets yanked, and (laughs) they just make Dynamite an extra hour next week. Um, I I feel like they would need a bit more warning for something like that. Don't you I, think? I, it, it, would not like totally shock me. Um, possible, I mean, they could always just throw in like some other program there, but I was like, they have probably like sold advertising for this debut. They like they were probably banking on like a big lead in for their ten to eleven hour on TBS, and they're just. I mean, we, we will see. I mean, they have not made an official word yet. I just, again, I, I, mm. I can't imagine that Power Slap is airing next week. Uh, so there you go. Uh, another all-timer for Excalibur and all the, the stuff he had to plug here. And, I mean, we're really racing against the clock here as Joe and Darby come out for the main event. And they are in uh, Seattle. And there is Nick Wayne in the front row on a school night. And... Darby comes over and uh, you know hugs Nick and and his mother I presume was was next to him and then Joe comes out and he attacks Nick Wayne and this future match for sure oh, for Nick Wayne it's going to be awesome yeah. yes uh, Darby then dives onto him as he's going after Nick Wayne and takes Joe up the ramp and brings out a ladder and jumps off the ladder with a swanton onto Joe, who is standing. Like He's not even flat to take this. Like He just absorbs Darby. And then they make their way back to the ring. That includes Darby taking a urinagi onto the steps. Brutal. Like, not the side of the steps like everybody takes. On the edge, on the sharp edge corners of the steps. It was insane. Just nuts. 
Uh, the bell rings. We go to picture in picture, and this break included Darby being thrown into the post and just flying into orbit uh, off this post and crashing to the floor. Uh, Joe like kicks his head off and then goes after the knee. The crowd is chanting for Darby. He lands a senton onto the knee. Darby then yanks Joe out of the corner so hard that Joe pulls the pad off the corner. He gets the coquina clutch. Darby counters, goes for the rotating stunner, but then again is caught into the choke. And to break free, he runs Joe into the exposed buckle, code red, coffin drop to the back, then a coffin drop on the chest. And Darby pins Samoa Joe, ending the king of television's run. At least half of his run. Well, uh, the other brand doesn't have television, so it's harder to call yourself the king of television. That, that is also very true. I felt it was a, a great run, but I mean, this felt like a great, great opportunity to drop the belt for a very magical hometown moment for Darby Allen. Um, he's already won the TNT championship, so you're not necessarily getting, you know, maybe a fresh moment, but nonetheless, I mean, a hometown win this time felt even bigger maybe than the first time around. These two have, at this point, in my opinion, legendary chemistry with one another. We saw it the first time in the match that we thought should have been on the pay-per-view, but instead it was on the go-home show before the pay-per-view. Uh, but now they did it for a significant significant uh, championship change, and I think they're just kind of really setting it up for a trilogy and maybe even more to come in the future. It's just fun seeing Samoa Joe throw Darby Allen around and Darby Allen being more than willing to accept anything that this guy is willing to give him. So they've made Joe look outstanding, the best he's looked in years. And they've told some excellent stories of, of survival for poor Dar- Darby Allen here. I just, I mean, I hope that body keeps up, man. Well, it's not going to at this pace. Um, but yeah, big moment. Um, they blew a lot of heat on this show that was uh, vanquished, unfortunately, and um, the crowd had to leave, you know, in a celebratory mood, unfortunately. But you you don't you don't leave with your friends in a great mood and say, I can't wait to do this again. That's when you leave angry and you can't wait to pay to come back um, more <laughs> angry the next time at your favorite losing. Yeah, I mean, I guess next time uh, will be will be the tale. Uh, maybe a lot of people saw Darby Allen win, saw Brian Danielson win. And they're like, I'm good. I don't need to watch anymore. AEW Kill, killed the town. That's it. Seattle, one and done. So there you have it. Uh, a pretty great show to start off. 2023, um, tremendous crowd. Maybe maybe we'll do crowd of the year at the at the end of the year. This would be in the running. This was a even by AEW standards in some of their hotter markets. Like th- this was another level. It just sounded incredible for the whole two hours. Really, really outstanding. You know, made AEW really feel like AEW, uh, or at least like the the AEW that we've come to know. Um, even coming off of Wrestle Kingdom this morning, like this show in terms of entertainment for like the two hours to, to me rivaled it, you know, like it, it was a great day of wrestling. Yeah. I mean, how, how much more would you want to spend uh, a third of your day than, than eight hours of, uh, of this professional? It was, it was a pretty great eight hours. I, I've mm-hmm. got to say, uh, we have a bunch of feedback, so let's jump in there. If you have any super chats, uh, you can chime in. You are welcome to, uh, unless people have heard enough of our voices today, which some of you may be at that breaking point. Hey, evidently not, because uh, we have actually quite a bit of support today. First of all, uh, I want to thank Rolando Alvarez, who's our latest member at video.postwrestling.com. Of course, if you uh, want to catch all of our cafe specials, including uh, Wrestle Kingdom on video, video.postwrestling.com. Sign up there if you want to support the channel. Audio, go to postwrestlingcafe.com. Uh, 
Tim Ramsey sends in $2 to support just to say thank you both for all the coverage today. Thank you so much, Tim, for the acknowledgement and the super chat. Jake from the Windy City sends $5 to say the crowd, the atmosphere, the energy, and the hometown guys going over tonight. This is what the major leagues look like. It, It felt like a major league show tonight for sure. Very much so. Thank you so much, Jake, as always, for the support. Phil, our resident ice fishing expert here, sends Uh $5 to say, Saeed from Vancouver. That's who Phil R is. Thank you for all the hard work today and all the coverage on the site. And yes, I went ice fishing on Vancouver Island. So there's a name attached to it, John. Okay, well, there you go. That that brings the total to one. (laughs) A guy named JJ sends a $20 super sticker. That's a real super sticker. Thank you so much, JJ. Jeff Jarrett. Uh, <laughs> Double J himself. <laughs> um, you know, you praise the guy's work and um, sends a super sticker to show his appreciation. So, But you, do, you don't mess with the guy's money. No, no, not at all. Slap nuts. Thank you so much, JJ, for the support. Much appreciated for that. Very, very uh, generous super sticker there. We got a Nick Salmons who sends $10.70 to say, are Jade Cargill, Lila Gray, Red Velvet, and Sky Blue feuding just because all their names are color-based? If so, when will Ruby Soho and John Silver join in? Maybe maybe uh, this individual has cracked the code. I mean, maybe this is uh, for the color palette supremacy. Uh, maybe, maybe, you know, um, taste the rainbow here. Um, that is, that is a very interesting observation. Um, orange Cassidy. I mean, you're right. Uh, amazing red. What color uh, is not represented? Um, I'm trying red, to think orange. Uh, we don't have a yellow. Um, yeah, we could wrestling. get, uh, the house of black could take over oh, all of them. Of course. <laughs> and, uh, do we have a purple wrestler? I don't. I I think purple is open. I violet mean, is there a violet? <laughs> I'll tell you what. It's definitely green on this show. <laughs> uh, uh, you you've unlocked Pandora's box here. Uh, nice Solomon's. I I'm very this, curious this, to know. This might be the ultimate faction. Yeah. Very interesting. They can all uh, come together. Tim Ramsey sends another two dollars just to ask, how would you guys book Darby the rest of the year? I mean, I don't think he's someone that necessarily needs a title. I think it's something where you can, you can build him up to a win like tonight, and it doesn't have to necessarily be a, a super lengthy reign. He sort of exists on his own as this, um, you know, this, this unique part of the show that is attached to Sting that can do he can do the cinematic matches, he can do these insane stunt fests on a routine basis. Um, but he's also somewhat like you could you could also look at the idea like is there a higher ceiling for Darby than sort of this interesting attraction that they have that he, he's a very unique performer that isn't like anyone else on on the roster. There's absolutely higher ceiling, and this man will probably climb through it and jump through it and then climb to an even higher ceiling beyond that. But you know, now that we're getting the pillars actually rising up into world championship status, I certainly think Darby Allen is next in line. And I think you have a justification for a title challenge already with Max being champion. We've seen Max be very competitive uh, with Darby Allen in in, a, in an opening match to one of the pay-per-views from years ago or, or months ago that I still remember really well. So I think he would be a natural rival, career rival for MJF. As MJF ascends up the card, so should Darby Allen. So, I mean, this TNT title run is good to kind of give him a little bit of spotlight, a big hometown win. 
I don't want to see him in this division long. Like I want to see before the end of the year, him ascend to a main event level role. And that might mean shedding the sting association, you know, like as, as, as maybe great as, as, as the connection has been, I think it's given him a bit of a young lion, like, you know, little kid type of vibe with sting. Um, And not to say that he needs to turn on him, but I think at, at some point he needs to kind of like go off on his own, maybe lead his own stable, become like have his own protégés. So I, I definitely want to see like Darby Allen ascend to the next level. Cause I think his, his wrestling obviously is there. I think his promos are there. He is so unbelievably marketable, you know, between like the black and white videos and like the toys that you could sell and face masks, you could potentially sell to little kids. So, um, I'd like to see him take a big step up. Thank you so much, Tim Renzi, for all your support. We have one more super chat here, and it comes from Matt Hahn. You guys very generous today on the uh, the first uh, rewind a dynamite of the new year. Matt Hahn sends five dollars to ask, why do you think AEW crowds are so much louder than WWE crowds? I think because it's just um, a product that they are way more into. I mean, it's just like you watch it, and you know the matches are structured in such a way that I mean, there's uh, there's just an energy to it. And I think you, you have more than kind of created that, that party atmosphere. We always talk about that. I think you have an understanding of, uh, going to an AEW show that there's lots of crowd engagement and, and you just see like the, the structure of the matches. Like that, that has changed. You can't just blanket, uh, WWE that does, you know, stellar matches as well at times. But in terms of like the weekly raw product versus the AEW product, it's just, it's a much more high action product. It's just a, a blitz of a two hour show. And the audience is very much into a lot of these characters. And, and it's a lot of stuff you're, you're not going to see in a, in a, in a WWE ring, such as, you know, a a Darby Allen, that's going to be very unique uh, to an AEW audience. I do think, you know, maybe um, in terms of percentage, you're probably getting a far more engaged wrestling fan that is choosing to go to an AEW show than you are um, that goes to a WWE show. And and by that, I mean, like, the people that are going to an AEW show are probably all aware of, like, you know, Max Caster's line about Je- uh, Karen Jarrett and exactly what that means. Um, and, and just really kind of all the topical news stories of, of the day. Maybe half of the arena tonight probably already saw Wrestle Kingdom before they went to the arena. Uh, but I don't know if you'll exactly get that at, at a WWE show. Um, and for that reason, you know, the, the, they they probably recognize that this is um um they, they might just you know be that much more excited and i think overall brand satisfaction for an aw viewer even though we are coming off of like a year where they're being more criticized than ever and rightfully so um i would say overall assessing my year like i still view aw as like the more the product that product that better caters to i think what the hardcore fan wants um so you know it could be that could be a number of factors as well uh, thank you so much for all, all you guys for all your super chats here. Let's go to forum.postwrestling.com where our post wrestling cafe patrons can leave their feedback. Uh, John, do you want to start us off? Johnny writes, this is, this might be the closest AEW has come to a perfect episode of dynamite. My only complaint is maybe the MJF Danielson went a bit too long, but other than that, what an amazing two hours with the crowd with dynamite and wrestle kingdom earlier today. We as wrestling fans are spoiled. Nothing much to add. Uh, asks if these matches for Danielson is the way to get to Shibata and Danielson. Very interesting. Hmm. I don't know if I think they're very much going to be tied to um, Sh- Shibata's schedule. Um, 
I don't know if I would just put that as like it's it's an obstacle to get to another match. Like I think that's you put Shibata on on a rampage, John. You know, like I I don't I don't know if they're that precious about about these yeah. matches. Yeah, I mean, you you could do it, sure, because New Japan's not using him. No, you're right. So, um, like that to me is something you could do at like a Forbidden Door, but you also have the the Zach match as well that you didn't get to do at, at the last uh, Forbidden Door. Yeah, it's I mean it's possible certainly. This, I think this gimmick has certainly been like pretty fun for MJF, you know, as he throws like puts the gauntlet in front of his title challengers, and we might get names outside of the promotion just to kind of step in for one night. Uh, Shibata would be a really interesting choice. Yeah, which are, again, it's like this balancing act of like, for the viewer, I think it's really cool when you're bringing in all these different people, especially when the other side of the equation is Danielson. But again, it's like you are, you are still trying to keep a locker room happy that is going to see like, Hey, we're bringing in all these other people for these big matches every week. And it's a locker room that are, they're all just starved for television time. And you, you want to keep those people happy too. And they, they do this a lot where they go outside of what is a stacked roster. I understand the frustration, but you know, this happens every year for WrestleMania or like in this case, a, a Wrestle Kingdom today. Like you, you kind of make way for a special attraction for the better, better of the company. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Let's go to Steve from Virginia Beach who says AW in, is starting 2023 hot. Two hours flew by. Great crowd, great matches, great show. Only pushback is that I'm not excited for an Iron Man match as they tend to drag until the last three minutes. Plus, I've never been an MJF fan in actual matches. Sure, Dragon is great, but I just feel it may be a hard match to sit through. I don't know. I, On the MJF front, I'd say you're probably in the minority. I think a lot of people have, do not have that same criticism. And mm-hmm. um, it depends on the performers. Like, dude, that Hangman Danielson match a year ago was awesome. Um, that did not drag uh, for me at all. It, if you have the right performers, um, it's, it's not a hindrance at all. And I think that these two will have, uh, I think you'll have high expectations for that match, especially on pay-per-view where you don't have commercial interruptions, which Hangman and Danielson did have to contend with last year. Fighting the drag is, I think, part of the challenge of putting on a compelling Iron Man match, making sure that, you know, you're entertaining people for the entire 60 minutes. Um, and I, I definitely feel like these two are, are up for that challenge. Okay. Uh, Saeed here. What an amazing way to start the new year for AEW. The crowd was spectacular. Good to amazing matches all around. Only match that didn't keep up with the others with the women's tag. It's hard to choose my match of the night, but he goes with Swerve and AR Fox. If Tony's the partner, I think it was done the wrong way. But my guess is Sheeta turns heel and takes her out on Rampage or Dynamite next week. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. That's a that's a this is a very interesting uh, way of going about it. If like you know Mercedes Monet is still somehow attached to it, um, it's it's definitely a bit of a misdirect that you know uh, involves Hikaru Shida potentially in a pretty interesting spot. Um, Matthew says hottest card in the Pacific Northwest since WCW WWF show in two thousand and one. The, Tac- the T- Tacoma Dome show is that what he's talking a, a, a about? A legendary uh, hot show that just <laughs> started. Just put WCW into uh, another stratosphere when it came to popularity. A huge Buff Bagwell huge, versus Booker T. A classic, classic, classic match. Uh, let, let me do the, the, next the week one. before they were running uh, Raw in Atlanta. They did that match in Tacoma. Mm-hmm. WCW hotbed Tacoma. Yes, let's uh, let's go to an angry pirate who says insanely hot crowd that elevated a pretty good show to a great show. This felt like a classically booked almost house show between the tag title change, then reversal, MJF Bryan and MJF reacting to Bryan's comebacks and taking the bait for the title match. And the classic babyface starks overcoming the established heel despite shenanigans by his goons. Great way to kick off the new year for Dynamite. Uh, 
Next is Chris from Yonkers. I missed the first hour of the show, but was able to catch the tail end of the Danielson MJF segment. I guess we're getting the five labors of Danielson to get us to the eventual revolution main event. As someone who isn't familiar with AR Fox prior to his appearances in AEW, I'm constantly blown away by the way he moves so fluidly in his stuff in his matches. The Soraya stuff continues to fall flat for me. Maybe she is going to take out Tony Storm and that's going to lead to Mercedes coming in. Or maybe it's actually going to be Soraya and Tony in the match. But I just want Jamie to get past this and finally get to the Britt Baker match and the face turn. Uh, and he goes on to say the women's tag match was awesome. I've been a fan of Kiara Hogan since watching some of her impact work. And I think she has a, she had a great showing tonight. Sky Blue and Red Velvet put in work as well as during their time in the ring together. I hope Jade loses the title soon so we can get past the undefeated gimmick. I just don't see anyone lined up. Any picks in your opinion? Okay. Um, Jade? Again, like, to me, a good candidate would be Willow, but, you know, they, she's probably a long way from getting there. What do they want to accomplish with Jade Cargill before that happens? I think at that point, it is... I, I don't know what... what more there is to accomplish. I feel we're almost at the ceiling of this, this title reign. Like, I don't know if there's, here's the thing. If you had her lose the, the, the TBS title, I mean, presumably you would want to only do that. If you want to move her to the, the actual women's championship where she would be expected to have pretty stellar matches, you know, on Mm -hmm. the level of a Jamie hater, she's nowhere near, I think that level yet. Um, or is that the only role for her? You know, like, could she just have a presence on the show and, and be a big presence on the show without without a, a belt period? Um, I don't know. It's kind of tricky. Um, and I don't even necessarily know if, like, there's anybody out there who, you know, would will be benefiting from a TBS title reign as much as a Jade Cargill still currently does right now. It justifies, I guess, you know, giving her a spot on the show. She looks amazing with the championship. It just kind of adds to the aura while she continues to get in ring time to get better. So maybe they'll keep it until they have somebody that they deem appropriate. Yeah, I don't think it's just going to be someone out of nowhere. And it you have not really, you know, um, even started to hint at someone to build up to uh, beyond like, yeah, you've got this red velvet. What about little Bow Wow, as Reggie in the chat room suggests? That's the long-term play right there. Next up. All right, we got a mug in who says a fiery Seattle crowd elevated dynamite. They were allowed for everything, including Danielson, Swerve, and Darby. Aubrey moved the whole building with that false finish. My gut tells me that a bait and switch might happen in the women's tag match. Sheeta's body language is a big tell. Good step forward as AEW looks to leave a tumultuous few months in the rear view. Cody from Maine, after a string of great dynamites to end 2022, the trend continued to kick off the new year. Heading west was the best thing that could have happened to this company post All Out. My biggest takeaway from the show tonight is my immense sadness over the great king of television's loss. No surprise in Joe being a transitional champion, but he knocked it out of the park with the time he had. Don't get me wrong, it was a great moment for Darby, but it's a shame the Seattle show wasn't a bit further down the road to give Joe more time as champion. Yeah, yeah, I I don't necessarily disagree with it. Um... We also didn't get any follow-up with Wardlow, and that's perfectly fine because I think he should be selling, you know, the loss. I thought Joe would walk out with the ponytail, um, but... That would have been nice if he had it in, like, a baggie <laughs> or something just to, to hold on to. Yeah. What, what does that lead off. to, though, between those two? Like, are they going to feud could, over the, the, the ROH title? Yeah, could be. Do you have interest in seeing that again? The match? Mm-hmm. I think you have to do the match after the hair. It's just, you know, typically it builds to hair versus hair, but I don't, I don't think Joe has much to offer. You could still do hair versus hair. His 
I don't, uh, like <laughs> that'd be yeah. like me putting my hair up against you. It'd be like, <laughs> yeah, I, there's a little you could get rid of, but I mean, it's Minoru like, Suzuki was in a hair versus hair match. That's true. That's Minoru Suzuki. Steve grows weed. Great crowds make for great shows. I'm excited for the next few weeks in new markets. Not sure I like the Iron Man stipulation. Happy with an hour long match from these two, but Iron Man's tend to only matter in the last five minutes. Uh, says Dana's really fucked. Something made him feel invincible enough to react to her slap with one of his own in a crowded space. Not sure if he's as Teflon as he thinks. Well, according to him, it was alcohol. So, yeah, which I mean, to to his side as well, like he was not using that as an excuse either. But yeah, that that was uh, brought up. Certainly. I mean, like you, you can see the video like he is the one that initiates contact with with the wrist uh, to begin with. I mean, it just, it looks terrible. It looks terrible, but um, there's plenty of terrible you, things that happen and people that um, it, there's double standards and sometimes triple standards. Let's go to Jordan from the Bronx. who says there was a time when Danielson was considered weak on the mic tonight. He told your mama jokes and the crowd ate it up. And Jeff Brown notorious AEW critics for heat was a fun change of pace from the typical WWE pandering. Uh, questions, apologies if you already answered this during the review, but if the Tony Storm partnership is a red herring, how soon do you think we hear her potential replacement? Rampage battle of the belt or perhaps not at all until next week. Sheeta and Renee's reaction doesn't tell me that Tony was the plan the entire time. I mean, if they're going to switch it, they're not going to announce it until the until it until the person walks out like next Wednesday. I, I don't think you're going to announce anything like that. You could shoot the angle on Friday to take out Sheeta, but I think they they would just go into Wednesday as the the question mark. Agreed. I don't think you're going to get anything that significant on. But Randy but if you do the angle on Friday, like that is the signal to everybody that they will know what to expect at that point. But if Friday comes and goes and that the, if the match is being promoted, you are, I don't think, going to have as much of that uh, expectation. Agreed. And the last word goes to Chris in Ottawa. What a night and a beautiful set. Everything looks bigger, brighter, and better. The show was going so well, but then I noticed at 930, there was still a funeral, a women's tag, and the main event to go. But somehow it worked, and they still had time for a tender moment between emo dad and his son. Yeah, that's right. Sting did come out at the end. We glossed over. Regarding the term feeling froggy, the most upvoted entry in the Urban Dictionary from July 2008 notes the phrase is used when someone is up in your grill or talking smack at you. So clearly it was used fittingly by Danielson. A great two-hour hours of wrestling a 10 out of 10 and he says that i should try ice fishing some people have incredible ice shanties fully loaded none of that last sentence is appealing in the least ice shanty okay i've learned a whole lot about ice fishing thank you yes and so ends our marathon day of uh, talking to one another and well, I will be back on Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern time with WH Park here at youtube.com slash post wrestling going after going over New Year's Dash. And then with Way Friday night, remember the start time, midnight Eastern time. We will do a uh, maybe a more condensed review because there's a lot to get through and it's a late hour. And dude, I'm I'm old. So that's all coming up uh, this coming weekend. Way, uh, thank you again for uh, manning the ship here throughout. Wonderful graphics, beautiful. Same look here at Post Wrestling in the new year. We have not updated our look yet. Maybe we can do some scenic shots that we can uh, cut to mid-review. But uh, once when why why fix something that ain't broke? That is correct. At least our mics work. So goodbye, everybody. <laughs> this is this is Jesus Christ. Go Seahawks. Bye bye. Good night. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.